as Jennifer's doing the little boot scoot boogie, two-step across the living room floor, you're invited to my house, right here at Rosie on the House. It's a little music from my homeland, South Louisiana. Dance halls all over the state, Friday and Saturday night, light up with this kind of music. You watch those experienced Cajun dancers and their heads never move. It's just like they're gliding on ice. It's absolutely magical to watch. I've never been able to master it, but I do love to watch it. And I love the music. Come on into my house, y'all. It's Rosie on the house. And we've certainly covered a lot of ground here in this morning's program. Thank you for tuning in. If you're a regular subscriber to our newsletter, and you do that by simply logging on to our website, rosieonthehouse.com, and ask to be added to the subscription list, we actually mail out tens of thousands of emails every week. And part of what we send out is unique information that you can't get anywhere else. It tips you off as to what we're going to be covering on that Saturday's show. So in, just in case it happens to be a topic that you're currently contemplating or mulling over or thinking about, then that would automatically key you off, set your alarm, don't miss the show. In the 10 o'clock hour, we will be covering the topic that we bring up in that particular newsletter. And 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 I'll come clean, this, this is a topic that I'm certainly not considered an expert on, but it is extremely intriguing to me, and it's integrated pest management. It's managing the pests around your house chemical-free. But before we go there, I feel like I have to take y'all back to next week. How many To last week. To last week. Yeah. What did I say? Next week. You have to take us back to next week. (laughs) Did I say that? (laughs) That's what I heard. (laughs) Uh, The general consensus is that's what I said that. Okay. I want to take y'all back to last week. Got that straight? They're dizzy now. It's called deja vu. Oh, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it works because the entire month of February, we're talking about uh, pest control. And pests cover everything up from big four-legged animals with horns and the high country down to the smallest of aphids and gnats. And yeah, the, that's right. And it, it bug you at dawn and get in your eyes. And Last week, we had Darren Julian, Julian on which is the urban wildlife specialist for Arizona Game and Fish. When we have a rattlesnake in the backyard, a herd of javelina invading the front yard, mule deer eating our apple trees, elk nibbling on our apple trees, bears wandering through our neighborhood, Darren is the one that gets the call and decides how it needs to be addressed. He tries to direct you to their website. There's a lot of rules and instructions there about what you can or can't do with a marauding urban uh, wildlife. This week, do you have, are any of y'all signed on to that website called Nextdoor? Any of y'all? Nobody. No, I'm the only one. It, it's Nextdoor. And, and it is a, 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 a communication board for people just in your neighborhood to talk about what's going on. It was there that I found out that in our neighborhood, um, cars parked outside of the garage and the driveways 
were getting broken into. And you could actually track by day where the where the pattern was going. And if you were in the in the root of these people, it ended up being a couple they ended up found out it was a couple kids in the neighborhood that were you know, getting what they could out of cars that were parked outside the uh, garages in the driveways. Well, the other thing it kind of fills you in on is someone posted one word, bobcat, and took a picture of this bobcat on top of a masonry wall looking down at a chicken coop with 11 chickens in it. (laughs) And I'm sorry to report there were no surviving chickens. (laughs) But that's exactly the topic we covered last week, the marauding wildlife. We're in their habitat. We've occupied their spaces. So we've got to learn to live with them. I walked in. I got a call. Actually, we're doing, we're doing a remodel project. And, and the woman of the house, her sister called me and said, would you come out to the usury pass area to do a remodel? So I'll come out and I'll visit with you. Let's take a look at it. And their house is in the neighborhood of McKellops and Ellsworth. Not an area I'm intimately familiar with. We don't travel that far east in our remodeling projects very often. But you take McKellops eastbound off the 202 and you reach this saddle that gives you a panorama of Usury Mountain and the superstitions that absolutely takes your breath away. So I find the house, and I suspect by the lot orientation and everything, they've probably got a pretty good view of this in their house. I knock on the door. They open the door, and the first thing you see is a perfectly framed picture of the Superstition Mountains in this picture window, both out the family room and the living room and the master bedroom, it is the kind of view you walk in and you almost forget your manners. You ju- you're just caught staring out this view. And I thought, how did you get this lot? And they said, well, 20 years ago, we were driving up to go camping. And there was a little real estate trailer parked here. And we just knocked on the door and somebody answered. And they hadn't sold any lots yet. And they were going to give us our first choice. 20 years ago, we bought this lot. And I said, well, you sure picked the lot of all lots. It's absolutely gorgeous. Now, they were dealing with rock squirrels and roof rats. And how, and they were addressing the show that we had last Saturday. And they did some research online, and they found that they could order coyote and bobcat urine that they say they can't smell. It's not offensive. And they put these urine canisters out in the backyard, and it totally eliminated the roof rats and the rock squirrels from their yard. Now, Romy, I've got a question for you. Inquiring minds want to know. How much does a person get paid to collect (laughs) bobcat urine, and how do they do that? I would I would guess it's a venture of a zookeeper. <laughs> that that's a secondary responsibility. 
I mean, it's not like collector. it's not like going to the doctor and 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 they ask you to collect this sample. You get you know hand it to the bobcat and say, "Could you just fill this and bring it back to me, please?" Uh, Can you imagine fighting a bobcat to try and get it to hit a little beaker? <laughs> so where was this home? It it was it was in the in the general area of McKellops and Ellsworth. Okay, we absolutely s- gorgeous. We had our I guess it was two weeks ago. Uh, our rodeo was at PNM Arena on Brown, and uh, I think it was close to Ironwood. And I tell you what, we found a great little steakhouse out there. The okay, Dirt Springs Restaurant. That's the name of it. Dirt, Dirt Spring. Springs. Oh, great little local joint. <laughs> okay. Talk about how to uh, they they cook the steak when you say medium rare is perfect medium rare. But Good. you are right there. You've got a perfect view of the superstitions and Usury Mountain, and I. That was the only time I've spent an extensive, you know, two days right in that area. It's nice. It's a beautiful it view. So the second part of that conversation, and I want to hear from all of you homeowners, I'm taking a poll. This same family talked about the fact that they do find about six scorpions a year inside their house. And one of the parts of the remodel is they wanted to get rid of all the carpeting, the, the coyote urine didn't help the scorpions? And, and it didn't help the scorpions. And they're only finding six a year, so it's not like a serious problem. Mm-hmm. But they do say they have to go outside with the blue light and hunt them mm-hmm. regularly, and they can kill two or three in the backyard virtually every day. So the they say in their house they've never found a scorpion on the carpeting. So they asked me, Rosie, if we rip out all the floor covering – and go just to solid surfaces. We only find the scorpions on the solid surfaces. Does that mean they're going to be more prone to be in our bedroom than now that we have carpet and we're not finding them? So I have found them in my house on both floor surfaces. But I want to talk to you Arizona homeowners that have experience with scorpion infestation. I wouldn't say six years of infestation. But those of you who have had to deal with it, do you find them on the carpet as more less or the same as you find them on the hard surfaces in your house. We talked about a method of scorpion eradication in the 7 o'clock hour, and we've actually had a a, 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 a Twitter, a what is it? Oh, uh, this one was Facebook. Facebook. She came in by Facebook, and she said, I need to hear that scorpion solution again. So I'm going to go over the Scorpion solution again. We've got Larry on hold, John on hold. We're going to take their calls, and then we're going to get into integrated pest management. So Scorpion control a la the Cajun carpenters. And in most cities, this isn't legal. (laughs) (laughs) If in your neighborhood you are allowed to have chickens, then you can also have guineas. All right? Yes, no, you don't think? I don't. I think guineas is a separate classification. They're much different because you can have chickens, but not a call, rooster. If I would roosters call a are chicken. If roosters are aren't chickens. allowed, guineas aren't going to be allowed. If you can buy guineas and put them in your yard, they love to eat scorpions. Okay, uh, a doctor from Mississippi taught me this when he moved to Pinnacle Peak in 1969, and he had a whole flock of guineas. Then they are noisy, but they do devour the scorpions. And when you've got the scorpion population under control, let me give you a Cajun cuisine tip. Guineas 
make great gumbo. Now that's the perfect food cycle right there. What is this? A little Green Hornet music, you know, for green. pests. The Green oh. Hornet. Uh. <laughs> I was trying to figure you out the connection. You stumped me on that one. All right. The Green Hornet. I'll hurt, too. Yeah. Can't get any better than that, right? Rums? Your mic's not on. Oh, had a couple callers. I bet, yeah, I can tell. This thing's lighting up. They had um, some suggestions. On? On the Scorpions. Oh, I thought it was more Back to the Future comments. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> Wish we were that quick. Um, so uh, Robert called and said he was finding crickets up in the bathroom vents, and he had scorpions in the house. So he put sunscreen, the net sunscreen, across the bathroom vent, and oh. he's, it's cut down on his scorpions greatly. Yeah, you can do that. You can go up on the roof and actually cover every plumbing vent with sunscreen as well as that vent for the exhaust fan going out the bathroom, and it will. Yeah, I never thought of them being up high. Almost impossible to totally Well, I got a question for you to hmm. make you nervous. <laughs> where, where do you think that scorpion was that was right in the middle of your bed? I don't know. That was so weird. We that, came home after being gone a week. And I never pull back covers. We just kind of crawl in. I threw them back, and that dadgum thing was alive, sitting in the middle <laughs> of the bed on the t- on the uh, flat sheet. Ooh! If, I mean, if we had crawled in with him, I now I always pull back the covers. <laughs> but the other la- the other lady that called was our neighbor Joyce, and she said the cats will eat. She says she never has them, and she has a lot of trees and grass and stuff, and she never has any scorpions because the uh, key cats like to play with them. Okay, I did. I did not know that. A couple. I think guineas taste better than cats. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> Joyce, disregard. Disregard. Sorry. I really am. Uh, I, I, and I, uh, whatever. We've got that's some safe, funny. That's a safe approach. Right? Some funny uh, response from last week. We talked about uh, keeping rid of rabbits was one of our five pests to try and control. And. One of the things is there is don't feed them. Well, Sue writes back and she says, I always feed rabbits every afternoon with Russo carrots. And until last Saturday's broadcast, I never knew they were grown right here in the valley. <laughs> That's right. We had Will Russo in at 8 o'clock talking about raising carrots. And then we had Darren Julian in at 10 o'clock talking about keeping wildlife out of your yard. <laughs> uh, and then another listener, the, the Taylor family, they make pet-safe kennels. So if you've got... Uh, animal you know you live backed up to a desert and you're fighting those coyotes you were talking or the bobcat you were talking about javelinas you've got small pets they do make pets pet safe kennels for those instances um they've uh they've come a number of times looking at becoming a rosie on the house certified partner which is one of those things it's such a unique niche but uh but that's another option as well. I hope we trying hear, to. I hope we hear back from the man that called us from Picture Rock last week that was having the bobcat in his chickens that he uses out in the horse stables to control the flies mm-hmm. that kept invading. And he tried that motion detector 
sprinkler system. See if that doesn't yeah, work. I'd like to hear back from him. And then the Carmichael family had a really interesting solution for javelina, and they had tried everything. They say they tried to shoot at them with airsoft rifles, spread mountain lion urine. There goes the uh, urine trick again around the, get this, they didn't say perimeter, perimeter. <laughs> uh, they, they tried screaming obscenities. Uh, they tried oh, throwing yeah. softball-sized rocks. <laughs> None of it worked. And then what they ended up doing that has kept the javeline out for over a year is folding chicken wire and making a perimeter around the plants they were trying to keep them out of. They set a two-inch barrier, one inch high, of just crumbled chicken wire has kept them out because they can't stand that around their tangle feet? feeling around their feet. So... See, now that's how come, that's how we become known as experts. And really all we're doing is compiling great information from folks giving us information like that over the last 30 years and keeping it organized into an encyclopedia called rosieonthehouse.com. So I love that. That's yeah. awesome. Shall we get to a call here? We've got a couple callers. We've got time. We've got one minute. we got Larry and John. John's been waiting a long time. Let's get to him really quick. John, calling from Santan Valley. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Real quick. Uh, yeah, real quick. Okay, so we have vinyl siding on our house, and it's getting kind of brittle and run down, and we'd like to replace with either uh, like hardybacker-type siding, or which is, which is really expensive, so I'm, we're kind of wondering what the drawbacks of using that are other than the cost. Not much, John. I really like the Hardy board. It is a cement-based product. You keep it painted, and I'll tell you, it's it's virtually a lifetime-long product. I do like it a lot better than the vinyl siding. The Hardy board siding is no doubt the way I would go, even if I could only do a section of the house at a time. Texter backs up the cat theory. They've got cats and no scorpions for eight years. So. Wow. One more, one more to the predator list. We'll cover more right after this at Rosie on the House. Your Saturday morning tradition for 30 years. Does this have the vocals with it? Or is it just a sound, the... It's just the good music. That's just the music. Yeah. That's Jelly Roll. Actually, Hound Dog Roll. Oh, it's Hound Dog Roll? Okay, all right. I like it. And that. I thought it was Boudin Roll. I <laughs> like it. That sounds good. You can almost see walking down the streets of Crowley or Brobridge or Lafayette. Especially during, well, it's Mardi Gras this week, and you yep. got festivals in the fall all over those towns. It's yeah, great. all over those towns. Oh, welcome back, y'all, to Rosie on the House. And if you think we've got pests here, you ought to go live in Brobridge, Louisiana, <laughs> next to the Chaffalaya River. <laughs> Listen, we're talking integrated pest management, or at least that's the topic we're trying to get to. Uh, it is the topic of choice for the 10 o'clock hour, and we've kind of been all over the board this first uh, half hour, but I want to I want to address it from last week. A lot of follow up from last week, and and the big 
wildlife, urban wildlife management of, of, of invaders in your yard. And this week we're talking about, it's called Integrated Pest Management. And it's, it's a, a science-based approach to managing pests using safe, sustainable, and effective tactics against common garden pests. It may include insects or weeds, diseases, burdens, rodents, and rodents. So it's, it's a holistic approach to managing marauding invasive pests. And I think we've got, at Rosie on the House, on our staff, it seems to me we have some pretty talented gardeners based on some of the produce that comes in. And so our writer got to talking with some of the more successful gardeners on the team. And they started talking about going to the nursery centers and buying boxes of 2,000 ladybugs. And we were talking with John Eisenhower earlier today about whitefly in, in infestation. Well, I guess one of the best things you can do for whitefly infestation is buy a couple of boxes of these ladybugs. And, you know, to a whitefly... A ladybug probably looks like T-Rex, you know. <laughs> you can also buy praying mantises or mantis. What you, okay, somebody tell me the plural of mantises. Praying mantises. Praying mantis. Isn't it just plural already? Praying mantis. Singular and plural. All, the, all y'all praying mantis. <laughs> but the ladybugs, you have to be careful. You don't want to Do just you? bring them home and open the box. Oh, really? Um, I've never and, done it. So. And shake them out. You... You want them to be gradually introduced into your yard so they don't just all fly away as soon as you open it up. Oh. You know, if they were, we would have a lot more ladybugs if this was a natural native environment for them. And they're not big heat tolerant, and, and they migrate hundreds and thousands of miles. I mean, you wouldn't think these little tiny bugs could, but they will Seriously? get up in the jet stream and just float it for hundreds of miles. Are you pulling my leg? No. So don't give them a reason to leave your property. You want to make sure when you bring the home the box, it's usually a plastic jar, and it's got vents cut in the top. And whether you, you know, depending on the size of your area, you may have one, two, three, four. You know, buy more than you think you're going to need because you, know, you, you can't keep them all. You won't keep them all. So if you're trying to do this control in a vegetable garden, You'll first start by setting the box underneath the vegetables for a night. Just let them get used to that surrounding. Then the next day, don't shake the box or, you know, like dump them out like you're shaking fertilizer. Just take the lid off and let them naturally come out and crawl. And they'll just start doing their thing, walking through the, uh, the garden and making their way onto your plants and just eating as they go, all the insects, and won't harm the vegetation that you're trying to grow for food. All right. Well, for those of you interested in the topic, I'm going to send y'all to the University of Arizona website. It's arizona.edu. And when you get there, simply type in the search engine IPM. U of A has an integrated pest management control center based in Maricopa, Arizona. And I had the pleasure of speaking with their community integrated pest management entomologist. How'd you like to make that introduction every time you meet somebody? 
and her name was Shaku Nair. And Shaku spent 45 minutes on the phone with me kind of talking about, uh, you know, Shaku, what do you do to start establishing? How, how do I tell my homeowners what to do if they're trying to begin integrated pest management so they're not just taking chemicals, you know, if they want to try this approach? And she says, well, the first thing is you've got to identify the bug. And you got to find out what it is and what is it doing and assess how big a problem is it really? And she she said there are no blanket recommendations. Every single application is separate. And Shaku is the community entomologist. So she's involved with a lot of public gathering places. So when your child's school sends a note home that there could be a possible head lice problem, on campus, Shaku is the woman to the rescue. Hmm. She goes and does an analysis of the situation. You have a bed bug infestation that could be tracked back to your schools. Shaku Nair is the one they contact. She travels the entire state uh, serving any community environmental issue. So, and now, like we've said, how many times just today's show, virtually with no winter this year, we're going to have a level of pest survival into the spring season that's going to be, has to be at near record levels. Well, and this follows up another light winter from last year as well, too. Yeah, but so we it's... drowned them last winter. <laughs> I don't think you can drown a lot of these things. <laughs> but she spends a lot of time... In, in agriculture, like uh, uh, Will Rousseau, the, ha, who had the organic farming that we were talking with last week, he talks about the fact that he has to leave a piece of land untouched by chemicals for three years before he can even begin to consider raising something in that property that is going to be certified organic to put out on the retail shelves. So she deals a lot with that kind of environment as well. Um, you've got aphids, you've got caterpillars, you've got white flies. And the other thing we're talking about in today's article is making sure you've got p- little critters in the yard to pollinate. And before we get to pollinators, wrap it up on ladybugs. They, aphids, mites, white flies, and scale insects. And then you can upgrade. You'd mentioned caterpillars. We actually took a call on caterpillars in the Outdoor 8 o'clock yeah. hour. Some, they were attacking a Texas mountain laurel. Now, praying mantis will work for caterpillars at up to a certain level. You know, you can't – you've got to it, – it's a size ratio. You, know, if the cat, <laughs> you, you can't go get a box of praying mantis eggs now and expect they're going to do any good for the caterpillar problem you're having right now. So, but they will, once you introduce them and you create that habitat, they live about a year and you start creating that life cycle. Well, they'll catch up then next season and the following season. If you keep, you know, you make sure they're replenished and they're available. And they're, uh, now, next you're going to tell me praying mantis go into the jet stream too. No, no, they'll stick around your house. And, okay. And uh, in addition to caterpillars, uh, beetles, grasshoppers, crickets, mosquitoes. Uh, and and they'll also eat aphids as well. They're 
they're kind of a gardener's, uh, an organic gardener's. Number one yeah. friendly insect. That's what I was looking Praying for. Praying Because unicorn wasn't the right answer. And uh, we're right where I was looking for. And we tell people whenever we're contacted about a home that has a scorpion issue, the first thing we start looking for is their favorite food source, grasshoppers. So you're looking for um, organic material piled up someplace that stays wet. You're talking about leaves. You're talking about trimmings. You're talking about wood piles. Uh, you find the crickets, you'll find the scorpions. And and you can't be a reactionary if you have praying mantis because if you're sitting there working in the garden, it's not uncommon to take your hands out from you know picking your peppers or whatever and have one crawling on you. And you know, the first everybody's first reaction when something's crawling on them is scream <laughs> like a little girl and smash. They'll smash. <laughs> Just put your hand back, let it crawl back onto the plant or. You know, gently put it back. <laughs> you can't. You can't have a weak, a, a willy stomach. All right. So just today, we've started some new databases about cats are scorpion deterrents of some type. We've got a couple testimonials here just in the last two hours. That's true. And Here's one we've never had on the phone right now. And as we bring in Ron from Queen Creek on cats, what you have to be careful for there is they are such a great. Uh, controller when you've got rodents and small animals. But in the city, it's almost impossible to find a neighborhood where somebody's not feeding them, and then they start procreating, and then suddenly you're overrun by <laughs> okay by a cat problem. So you've got to, you know, you've got to make sure you're having them spayed and neutered, you're not feeding them, you're letting them control it. It completely defeats the purpose of having an organic predator if you're sitting there feeding it. And Ron from Queen Creek is calling. I've been on air 30 years. I've never, ever had this conversation before with any Arizona homeowner. This is new ground for me. Good morning, Ron. How you doing? Good. Yeah. Okay, let me just first explain that, you know, I'm dead set against spraying insecticides in the walls and all around the house and stuff, okay? All right. The reason being is, is and it always works for me, is the natural predators. I get lizards all over my walls. They clean out crickets and everything. There's your food source. Okay. This year I had lizards all in the outer walls, but I noticed all, you know, I got geckos on my patio. I live on a two-acre horse property. Okay. okay. So I have irrigation. So this may differ for some people. But this year we always sit out on our patio at night, and this year we had three big praying mantis on the patio at night up there and they were grabbing bugs. I said, don't spray, don't hurt them because they're, they're killing off those bugs that we hate. And then this, I've always had a little bit of problem with scorpions also. Okay. okay. But remember I don't spray cause I've tried and figure out a, a way to get rid of naturally, but the natural predators this year, three bullfrogs, smaller bullfrogs showed up in our patio probably because of the irrigation too. And, of course, everybody wanted to get rid of them, and I said, no, leave them alone. So we'd sit out there, and they'd go hopping by us, and they just kept getting bigger and bigger. And I bet, everybody, we would not have a scorpion problem anymore in the house or outside because those guys are eating their weight in food every single night. And guess what? Not one single scorpion showed up on the patio. And I use a black light all night looking for them. 
There was not a single one in the house. They wiped out everything. We we now, out of out of curiosity, did you ever witness one eating a scorpion? No, I did not. But I sure I I witnessed them eating everything in sight, sitting by the lights, just cleaning everything off. The result they even didn't get the scorpion. What they got was is they wiped out the food supply. Okay, in in either case, I could see that. All right, now see, you, you could be you could be doing a lot of other things right now, but you would have missed out on that tidbit. <laughs> And then you'd be living without it forever. All right. Well, the scorpions of Arizona are much less safe after today's broadcast. Between the attack of the cats, the guineas, and the bullfrogs, we should soon have the scorpion dilemma in Arizona under control. <laughs> it's all a part of integrated pest management. I'd like to reach out to Shaku Nair, the community IPM entomologist, Department of Entomology at the University of Arizona, stationed in Maricopa, Arizona. If you want to learn more about this topic, I want you to go to the University of Arizona's website. It's arizona.edu. In the search engine, just type in IPM, and you're going to come up with integrated pest management for the home and garden. You're going to come up with websites specifically focusing on desert vegetable advisory information on controlling harmful pests in your garden chemical-free. So that's integrated Pest management. Thank you to U of A and uh, those that helped us create the article. There are some of you that just live this way, and that's fine. We're good with that. At rosieonthehouse.com, you can find the complete article in the blog. It's actually on the homepage as well. Every article we talk about on Saturday, we put the direct link to the blog on the homepage. And we also cover bees in there and understanding the importance of not... Uh, you know, just about all bees at some point, uh, there's a big scare with Africanized bees, and we had a conversation with uh, the Nisbet Family Farms that does live bee removals last year. And uh, a lot of the honey that we eat does come from Africanized bees. It's just when they're aggravated, they're more aggressive, but they're not an attack bee, just like right your honeybees. So just when you see them, you know, whether... I'm not going to get close enough to go peek and see, are you Africanized or not, not Africanized? You're not going to ask them? <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to ask. Uh, just don't disturb them and then call a professional, at whether you're looking to you know, trap them and move them, have them relocated. There's a lot of there's services out there that will bring bees to agricultural fields to pollinate, and uh, a lot of those people do have live trapping services where they'll just come you know, set up a box and I'm not exactly sure how they convince the bees to change and switch but you know, that's why they get paid for it <laughs> now do this on the topic of public service announcements and personal safety should you be threatened by a swarm of bees they say if you can just run a quarter of a mile just don't flail your arms. Don't start swatting at them. Just move as quick as you can 
away for a quarter mile. If you don't think you can't run for a quarter mile, it's because you've never been chased by a swarm <laughs> of bees. I promise you, you can. And never jump in a body of water to get away from a swarm of bees. They will wait for you to surface for air. They'll wait longer than you can hold your breath. So in escaping a swarm of bees, never jump in the swimming pool, never jump in a stock tank, never jump in a lake or a river. They'll actually swarm the spot, track you, and the minute you come up, what's the first thing you're going to have exposed to the air? Your nose and your nostrils and your mouth to breathe in another big lungful of air. And it's actually your breath that they're following. Yeah. So the harder you breathe the more of a scent and trail you're leaving for them to follow. So. so when you come up and you take that big breath, you're letting that scent out and, you know, you know, could end up with a mouthful of bees and yeah, nostril fulls both. It's, so never, never try evading a swarm of bees by pushing you, by jumping yourself into a body water. Just don't do it. Cover your hands and face and run, look through the cracks in your fingers and run like crazy. And, when a stinger is released, it releases a pheromone that it tells other bees. This attack. is the spot. This is the attack. spot. So if you're not getting stung, you know it's it's easy, a lot easier said than done. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're not getting stung and there's just a swarm, if they're swarming by, just cover your mouth, cover your breath, and let them pass by. You know, if, unless there's with until that stinger pheromone is released, they're not in the attack mode. All right. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rosie on the House. We're going to stay on the topic of insects next week. We're going to be talking about ants and termites with our good friends from Action Termite, who take another. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's an organic solution for termites. You, you got to <laughs> nuke those suckers. <laughs> Y'all have a great week. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the House. Find us at rosieonthehouse.com. Until next Saturday morning, where you'll find us right back, right here.